Our first lesson is full of God's awesome promises. A reading from Isaiah chapter 25. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Our second lesson will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The account of Jesus' resurrection as it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others who, with them who told this to the disciples. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Are you guys excited for a little Easter egg hunt later? We are going to have a big Easter egg hunt. And I just wanted to give you a little preview of what you're going to find out there today. So 
Some of the eggs are going to have Twix bars inside. You guys like Twix bars? Yeah. Those are pretty tasty, right? Some will have Twix bars. Let's see what else we got in here. Ooh, Skittles. They got a whole little bag of Skittles in there. That's good, right? You guys like Skittles? We got a couple more here. Snickers. And they pack two in here. Get excited. Let's see what else we got here. Ooh, Milky Way bars. Not my favorite, but good, right? Right? Still candy. What else we got here? Three Musketeers. Three Musketeers bars. Those are good, right? I think we got another one in here yet. Uh-oh. This one's empty. Before you start thinking that this church is a big ripoff with a bunch of empty Easter eggs, I want to explain to you why some of the eggs are going to be empty, okay? Some of the eggs are going to be empty because did you know that an Easter egg is a picture of Jesus' tomb where they laid his dead body after he died on Good Friday, but on Easter Sunday, it was empty. And so these eggs are to remind you that the tomb is empty, that Jesus lives, And these eggs are actually the best ones out there. Do you know why? Because even your favorite candy, it tastes good for a few minutes, and then what happens? You can't taste it anymore. It goes away, right? And that is true of all the good things that we love in this life. Even the best moments are just moments. The best days are just days. The best vacations, they come to an end. Everything good that we experience in this life It all comes to an end, even delicious candy. But Jesus' resurrection makes an amazing promise. Jesus' resurrection promises us that we're going to be changed at the resurrection of the dead. That things, not just our bodies, but things in general, the world we live in after the resurrection, nothing will ever end. The good blessings will never end. The, The tasty food will never stop being tasty. It will be good and good and good forever and ever and ever. So remember, when you find empty eggs today, those are actually the best ones. Those remind us that Jesus lives, that we are at peace with God and will be forever in paradise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be our savior. We thank you for sending him to die our death to to suffer the punishment that our sins deserve. But most of all today, we thank you for raising him from the dead, for teaching us that the sins that caused his death are gone. We are forgiven at peace with you. You have defeated death once and for all. Help us to cling to this hope forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, on this day, we say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Amen. The promises in that Old Testament lesson from Isaiah 25 are mind-boggling. They are as relentless as they are Marvelous. The Lord Almighty will. 
That, that's the theme of those promises. The Lord Almighty will. And it goes on to list these promises one after the next. The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good right about now. Are are some of you going to enjoy some good meat today? Maybe a a bottle or two of the finest wine that that you can find? This is a cool picture that God paints for us, and it's a promise. The Lord will do this for us, for all people. But it gets better. He goes on to say, On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. It's an awesome picture. A a picture that, that shows us the defeat of death. Death is described as a shroud that enfolds all the peoples, a big sheet that covers the nations. And God's promise, I will swallow it up. And if you can believe it, it gets better still. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord Almighty will, 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 will. That's the theme of that text. The Lord Almighty will. And it's an awesome picture, a, piece, a picture of a feast that will, will last forever, whose satisfaction will never fade away. And the thing that makes it so amazing is God's plan for death. Now, the word almighty is a, is a fine word. It helps us begin to think about God's limitless power Almighty, there's no limit to it. It goes on and on and on forever, but we could do even better, I think. In Hebrew, the the word literally means armies. The Lord of armies. And the picture is limitless armies. Now, it's hard for us around here because trees are constantly blocking our line of sight. But I once lived in a place where there was nothing blocking your line of sight. And if you've ever been out west, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Big sky country is big sky country for a reason. You get a little elevation and you can see for what seems like forever. Now imagine you are standing on a vista where you could see 10, 20, 30 miles. You're so high up. And every square inch of land that you see with your eye all around you is covered with soldiers, human beings, as far as the eye could see in all directions. That'd be a lot of people. Now zoom out and fill the entire universe, not on one plane, not on one dimension, but in three. The Lord leads that army, the army that fills the universe. Now, death's a big enemy, right? A big enemy. It is a a shroud that enfolds all peoples on earth, a sheet that covers all the nations. So picture this big sheet going around the entire world. Big, big sheet. My favorite illustration for this, spring in Wisconsin. The the sun is shining every day. You know it's shining every day, but the problem is the clouds. They are there all the time, keeping the sun from shining on us, and it drives us nuts. Days upon days, sometimes weeks, 
when I was in college, 18 straight days in February. 18! No sun! Those clouds, they're like the shroud that covers mankind, that keep the joy that God would have for us from getting to us. And the problem with death is that it's there every moment of every day, in every place, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, it is a shroud that never goes away, ever. It is always there, always over us. It's a huge problem. And in that text from Isaiah 25, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of armies, with his army way bigger than death, promises, I'm going to swallow death. I'm going to give you the victory forever. Now jump in your minds to the gospel lesson. There's this group of women. And if you go back in Luke's gospel, they're the same women who were standing near the tomb where Jesus' body was laid on Friday evening. If you were here with us on Good Friday, and, and even if you weren't, you might remember, there was a guy named Joseph of Arimathea and a man named Nicodemus who came to get Jesus' body from the cross after he died. And the Jews had a, had a rule that on the Sabbath day, you couldn't deal with death. And so they wanted to get the bodies off the crosses before the sun went down. Because in, in Jewish time thinking, when the sun sets, the day is over, the next day begins. And so they had to hurry up and get Jesus' body in the tomb. And so Nicodemus has myrrh and all these aloes, and they have the cloths, and they quickly cover his body with this mixture of these ointments and wrap him up in cloths and get him in the tomb and roll the stone over it. And that wasn't good enough for these women. It was done in haste. They had to hurry up and get it done. They had to do more for the man they had come to know and love so much. And so there they are, first light on the first Easter Sunday morning. Their arms are full of the burial spices that they have prepared to give Jesus a proper Jewish burial. And as they go with those arms full of burial spices, their hearts are full of disappointment. They're going to deal with death. The sheet covers them. It's like that shroud that's enveloped them. They have no joy. They get there. The stone's rolled away. They go inside. They know not what to make of it. And so they're wondering, what happened? Why is he not here? Dead bodies don't move themselves, so who moved him? And while they're wondering, these two angels appear. And they have wonderful words, right? Words of great comfort. But they're scolding in their words. Listen again. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Oh, yeah. He told us this was going to happen. And off they go, running to tell the apostles what had happened. But did you catch the apostles' reaction? Listen to how they reacted when these women tell them that Jesus is risen. 
They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Can you blame them? I mean, would you have considered their words anything other than nonsense? If you're at a funeral for a loved one and your loved one's body is lying in a casket and you come a few hours early for the visitation and up you come to the front and you pay your respects to the rest of the family, you see the body lying there in the box and then you go and visit for an hour or two and then you come back up front and the body is missing. If the funeral director said to you, he has risen, he's not here, would you not say nonsense? Where is he? Where's the body? The disciples' reaction makes all the sense in the world because he is not here, he has risen, is nonsense. Except for one little problem. God promised this would happen. Jesus promised this would happen. And it's that simple fact that the Lord Almighty promised in Isaiah 25 that this very thing would happen. It's the simple fact that Jesus himself, before he was crucified, said to his disciples on multiple occasions, I'm going to fulfill Isaiah 25. I'm going to suffer, be crucified, die, and on the third day rise again. It's that simple fact that makes this not nonsense. God promised that this would happen, and it has. Death has been swallowed up by victory. Do you live your life that way? As though death has been swallowed up by victory? A a better question would probably be, do you deal with death that way, as though death has been swallowed up by victory. The world we live in has a very specific way, a very specific way of dealing with death. Part one, ignore it. Part two, when you can't ignore it, normalize it. That's how the world deals with death. By ignoring it, and by normalizing it. And if you're honest, you do that too. So do I. We live our lives all the time ignoring the shroud that hangs over us. Ignoring the sheet that covers all the nations. We act like it's not there. But we can't do that because it is there. You can act like it's not there by closing your eyes like a little kid. You can't see me, but it's still there. And you definitely can't normalize it. Death's not normal. God did not create Adam and Eve so that they could one day die. God created Adam and Eve to live forever. But he also did not create them to be pre-programmed robots. He gave them an opportunity to worship him forever. To worship him with their obedience to his one command, don't eat from this one tree. If you do, you will surely die. They chose the opposite of obedience. And it led 
to death. But don't sit here and think that you're just a victim of their sin. It's worse than that. Our sin perpetuates this. The, the, the simple fact that you and I so often sin just by ignoring death and by normalizing death perpetuates the death. We need a solution. We need these bodies of death and decay to be changed. And I'll tell you what won't do that. What's not going to change these bodies of death and decay is for this preacher or for any other preacher to give you a list of ways to leave here and improve your life. That will not help. If this preacher or anyone else tells you, yeah, just make this plan. This plan will have the impact you're looking for. This list of changes, that will be the answer to your suffering in this life. All lies. This was the point of verse 56 in our sermon text from 1 Corinthians 15. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. For me or anyone else, preacher, teacher, advisor, expert, I don't care who it is, if anyone gives you a plan to improve your life, if anyone gives you a list of things to do to find a happier existence, what they've done is they've given you a list of laws. And what did God just tell us the law is? The power of sin is the law. The law is what reveals our failures, and it is our failures, our sin, that leads to death. More rules, more plans, perpetuates the death. Only one thing can give us the change we need. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the victory given to you, given to me, through the work of Christ. And just think about what that means. Through Jesus' perfect obedience, every day of his life, for the 33 years that he walked on this earth, the law could not condemn him. He perfectly obeyed his God and Father every moment of every day. The law could point out no sin in him. And therefore, he deserved no death. The victory is given to us through his obedience. The victory is given to us through his willing substitution. Now that's a big one. That he would switch places with the disobedient. That the one who has obeyed, the one who does not deserve death, would switch places with you and me who do disobey. The victory is given to us through his obedience, through his substitution, through his suffering our hell, through him dying our death, and through him rising from the grave. So as we sung about earlier, Jesus' resurrection means that the sins which lead to death really are gone. Think about it. He switched places with sinners like us. He didn't deserve to die. Our sins caused his death. But when the Father raises him from the dead on that first Easter Sunday, what is the Father saying to you and to me? Your sins, my sins, which caused Jesus' death are gone. And the proof, he lives. Death 
has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Jesus' resurrection is the thing that changes everything. And we have something incredible to look forward to. Something mind-boggling. Whether we die and meet Jesus at the resurrection or are still alive when he comes back to raise the dead, something incredible is going to happen. The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Do you see the point? This life has nothing to offer you compared to what God has to offer to you. This world can offer you two things, sin and death. And that is all this world can offer you. We, we touched on it in the children's devotion. But every good thing that you love about this life, it all comes to an end. It all dies. The greatest meal that you've ever enjoyed is a distant memory. The best day of your life ended. That perfect vacation that went off without a hitch came to an end. Because everything in this world is sin and everything in this world is death. But death has been swallowed up in victory. At the resurrection, you will be changed. And at that moment, everything will change. Nothing good will end. Everything good will continue forever. Satisfaction will never end. Pain will never end. Joy will never end. There will never be a shroud of death, a sheet of death, hindering our joy again. This means that everything you don't like about this world, aging, pain, suffering, it's gone forever. You will be changed. Jesus' resurrection is the proof. Today, life marches victorious over death. And it's the best news in the world. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.